Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So let's step out of the politics for just a second because, holy hell, we need to step out of the politics for just a second. And let's step into the Colts, who are an unmitigated disaster. This is a very bad team, very badly coached, and very badly led by ownership Jim Ursay. I'm not letting Ursay off with a warning. I'm not going to let him go off scot-free. He is responsible for what it is that we're seeing. His emotion has hurt this team. And has since he couldn't figure out what to do regarding Andrew Luck. He got lucky with Luck. Luck did not last. And now he has no luck at all. I mean, that's that's, that's, that's pretty good. You put that on a a t-shirt. On a t-shirt. So what is to be expected as the Colts take on the Texans this weekend? And that's just... That's just part of the story, guys. That is just part of the story. Tony Katz, great to be with you. JMV joins us from 93.5-1075. The fan, Uh, a quick breakdown of of this game because the game means less than what happens immediately after this game. This terrible, awful season comes to an end. Who has a job and who doesn't? And then we'll get into what the bloody world the NFL is doing about the playoffs. Uh, break down uh, this game and if, if to the extent that you can or just give a score, what happens next? No, it's 6-3 Colts on Sunday because nobody's going to be able to score because, frankly, nobody really wants to win that game. If you're the Texans, you really don't want to win that game because let's just say, for example, you're leapfrog by the Bears in the draft order, then you have to, to get what you want in your future quarterback. You're going to have to give up some assets moving forward to get back up there to get, for example, a guy like Bryce Young. And, you know, if you're the Colts, I'm sure you want to. They're not going to say that. But at least from my standpoint, you want to maintain a losing level so you can put yourself in the best position. And this is me talking here as of right now to be able to draft C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State as your long-term future quarterback. So a lot is riding, Tony, on this game on Sunday in terms of crossing your fingers and hoping that your team, either the Texans or the Colts, lose. There's no play in your world to pick up Derek Carr from the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, very unceremoniously dropped from that team? Yeah, I'd probably rather at this point have a root canal than have to go through crap like this again with another band-aided quarterback. So, nah, you know, Tony, to your point, it's not altogether out of left field. I mean, he probably would be – So, I mean, who wouldn't be better than what we saw this year with Matt Ryan? But it is absolutely positively time to draft your future quarterback. Hard target it, draft it, mold it roll with it, and then finally get this thing hopefully back in order sometime soon. This is the draft to find your future signal caller. So do it. So that's what we're going to see. You're hoping for the loss, a better position for the draft. Uh, The day after this game, is Jeff Saturday uh, still with the team in some capacity? Is he still being considered as the full-time head coach? Is uh, Chris Ballard a part of this team as general manager, yes or no? Well, Tony, here's what's going to happen here. I think still 
Jim Irsay would love to have Jeff Saturday on board, uh, even with the results we have seen. And, in fact, his team got worse after Frank Reich was fired, at least from what we have seen, a lot of these embarrassing performances. But, yes, he is going to get heavy consideration. Now, they're going to do a number of interviews. There's no question about that. And, you know, you satisfy the Rooney rule. There's protocols in the NFL that you have to follow. Uh, so they'll certainly do all that you need to do with that in mind. And then there's that cloud I guess sort of cloud in Michigan uh, with some NCAA penalties coming down on to the football program, specifically Jim Harbaugh, um, for some rules violations and not being completely forthright and honest with the NCAA investigators. So we'll see what those penalties are. We'll see if that maybe expedites a process of Jim Harbaugh really looking at the NFL again or if he's going to go by his words in which he said yesterday that he intends on being at Michigan. I still say that Jim Mercer, Tony, makes a hard play at Jim Harbaugh. You absolutely have to. And in terms of Chris Ballard, I would like to think that six years is enough. And frankly, in the past week, I've kind of changed. Jim Mercer, two weeks ago, if you remember, Tony, we talked about it, said Chris Ballard is going to be here for year number seven. I happen to think that thought process may not be completely accurate and may change. I don't know if we'll find out on Monday regarding Chris Ballard, but we just might from Jim Mercer. I feel that way more now, and I think I told you this earlier this week than I did uh, certainly a week ago about maybe Chris Ballard's job being in jeopardy. Now, we'll say this. From what I've been told by folks, that there is a lot of what Jim Mercer is doing in this consideration that is of monetary value, meaning he doesn't want to pay a coach not to coach and Frank Reich, a new coach to coach, a general manager not to general manage, and a new general manager. That's crap. We hear all the time, Tony, that Jim Mercer is about winning. He'll spend and do whatever. This is one of those situations where you spend and you do whatever. We've seen enough of six years of Chris Ballard go out, Find somebody new, whomever that might be. Find your future head coach. Step back. Have them draft your future quarterback. And then finally get this winning and this confidence going in an organization that is absolutely in public minds right now of Colts fans at rock bottom. Talking to JMV from 93.5107.5 The Fan. Let's stay in the NFL and move it over to this playoff scenario. This Bills-Bengals game, and very happy to hear that DeMar Hamlin, eyes open, communicating, uh, everything else. Uh, doctors saying that neurologically things are progressing very, very well and hope that uh, continues. But the Bills-Bengals game got canceled. The NFL said they're not even going to reschedule it. This has created playoff upheaval that might involve the AFC Championship game being played in Indianapolis, to the best of your ability, JMV. Yes. Can you explain what the hell the NFL is doing? Well, because they're not Buffalo. Buffalo and Cincinnati both are going to be short a game here because they're not going to play that game from Monday night for obvious reasons. So they're not going to be on a level playing field, if you will, or finishing field with everybody else. So here's how it goes right now. Cincinnati is going to win the AFC North. But if Cincinnati and Baltimore, for example, if they're a matchup in a wild card game, somewhere between Cincinnati and Baltimore, maybe at a gas station in West Virginia, they will meet and they will flip a coin to see who will host that wild card game. I blank you not. That's the scenario. And with the AFC title game in mind, and, and really embrace it because it could be a way that playoff football comes to Indianapolis. 
But, for example, if Kansas City – if Kansas City loses first and Buffalo wins, then everything's good and everything's going to go through Buffalo and the AFC. But if Buffalo loses, Kansas City wins, and then we're going to visit that scenario of if they make it to the AFC title game of a neutral site and in Indianapolis – reportedly is being considered as a neutral site host for the AFC title game if that scenario holds true. This is all happening. And by the way, this also involves the possibility of bringing more teams into the playoff picture because of this game not being played. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It was reported, Tony, it was considered to add more teams. But the NFL, I think, kind of clapped back a little bit, either in the overnight or late last night, and said, hey, this is – this is not what we considered. So what, what you brought up and what we have talked about here, uh, these are the considerations moving forward. It is some wacky, wild stuff for real. Why did the NFL decide not to play the game? Now, there's a whole conversation we had about why they decided yeah. to truly cancel the game and who made that decision and whether or not there's a, a bit of regret on that decision or not. That's a conversation I think that some sports guys are afraid to have. I'm curious about it. It doesn't mean that somehow I think the life of DeMar Hamlin is is any less by having that conversation. But we're in the re- reality right now where the league these teams prepare these organizations prepare there is billions of dollars on the line there's a lot of considerations and they are considerations why is this game between cincinnati the cincinnati Bengals, and the buffalo bills not being replayed they just feel they didn't have enough time to accurately get it in and whether or not anybody believes that they just feel there wasn't enough time in between what took place horrifically on Monday, as you alluded to, and then where we are right now um, with with all these teams, and, and specifically Buffalo had to go through, to be able to get something done in this short of a time window. So that's why they have developed these these various scenarios of what-ifs right here. and. And you know what? This doesn't, Tony, come without agreement from everybody. I mean, there has to be a level of agreement throughout the NFL in terms of changing up things like this. So uh, that agreement has been had, and, and that's why uh, the, the the consideration first is how they certainly want to be viewed. You know that regarding the NFL. The other is the consideration of there simply not being enough time to get all that needs to be done to end this regular season accurately as scheduled. Yeah, that's... Does that answer satisfy NFL fans? Is everyone okay with it? Or are there people saying, you know what? This is screwed up. Yeah. Hey, Tony, I haven't really gauged, you know, whether or not that there are a lot of fans that might be upset about it. This may be one of those things where if things, let's say, go haywire for a team, for example, and we're going to backpedal back and go, well, this is, you know, the chief reason why it ends up like this. It'll probably be more, I think, in a month or so more of a criticism than it is right now. I think everybody's still living in that world of, uh, you know, the, the consideration of, uh, you know, the understanding of the moment. But, no, to your point, this is probably something that we'll revisit in a month and folks, fans will be saying, hey, you know what, because you didn't do this, this is why my team, this is why this team was not giving a fair and equal balanced table to perform. We'll see, but that's what I would expect to see further down the road. So another week has gone by. 
in this Joe Biden presidency. I've been thinking of when I was on uh, vacation, I was on break. I'm like, I, I want to start doing this. I think, I don't know. You see, I don't like weekly wrap-up stuff. I hate when people, I, I okay, so th- this is a personal thing. It's a personal preference thing on Radio Hosts. Happy to share it with you. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. Find everything, TonyCats.Locals.com, TonyCats.Locals.com. It drives me crazy when I hear radio hosts treat Fridays different than every other day. It drives me crazy when I see them treat the end of the show differently than the beginning of the show. And the reason is, is that the... The ultimate reality, like sometimes I'll take an interview and, and I'll share it later in the show and people are like, why are you doing that? That's lazy. It's not. People don't listen in the main linearly, meaning I, I love that you are, are very invested and we're a part of this thing and all three hours you're here. But very often people are in the car and out of the car and they're at work and, and not and they're, they're doing something to the house. They have to take a phone call. They miss things. So I'm very cognizant of this, done the study on this. So very, very purposeful in where things get placed and where things get repeated to make sure that these important subjects, important conversations, funny things, they all get, they all get shared properly. And, and it, it's, I think it's weird to some people because they look at it like, well, you shouldn't do that. Well, well, I think you absolutely should do that. What I think you should not do is treat the end of a show differently than the beginning of the show. Because if, you know, it's it's like, is the line attributed to Mickey Mantle? Um, why is it that you run so hard after, ever, after every ground ball? Because it could be the first time someone's seeing me play. If you tune into the show on a Friday at like uh, 10 minutes to 3, the show should be as strong as it is Monday at 10 minutes after 12. Right? I it shouldn't it be? Of course it should be. It should be that strong, but people get into this idea, oh, wrap it up. Okay. Best of the week. All right. Here are my weekend plans. Dude, people are working Friday at 10 to 3, and some people are getting ready to go on to the third shift and work into the evening. Lord only knows how much the truckers have been working. You gotta. You gotta be committed to it. You gotta treat it right. You gotta you gotta come in with the energy. You gotta leave with the energy. I think that's really, really important. And and I had I, I think to my own benefit, to the benefit of this program, I kind of picked up on that early on. Early on, I picked up on that you you can't you can't just let some things go, slide, slough it. All right, it's Friday. It's 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 the final segment of the show. Just whatever. Just get out. Just get out. No, 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 no. Don't treat people like that. People, uh, a, a, a listener can listen anywhere. I live in the world of the internet. You can be listening on your phone. You might be listening on your phone right now, but you can be listening to a million things on your phone right now. I have to do my part to ensure that the thing that you're listening to is right here. And that involves making sure that I am prepared and, and, and providing you with something of quality every single second we're on. That's, that's, that's my job. So I sometimes feel weird about doing like weekend wrap-up stuff. I do, but I, I, I was on vacation and I'm like, I, should, I think there's something 
there we could do. I, I really do think there's something we could do regarding, dear Lord, what in the world did Joe Biden say this week? So I'm like, all right, you know what? Maybe I'll give it a little bit of a try. You tell me. You you give me the 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 feedback, and then we'll decide if we keep this going. Because Joe Biden said some things this week. Harris Biden administration. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the, go. You know the you know the thing. Say it ain't so, Joe. I mean, he was he was at his ever loving. All right, yeah, turn that off because even even that music is like sometimes too much for you. He was at his ever loving best today. Just just a treat was Joe Biden, like, for example, when he was referring to Kamala Harris? Well, President Harris led this effort. President Harris? Well, President Harris led this effort. Not Vice President Harris. President Harris. No, no, he's fine. Joe Biden's fine and good. I, why, why is anybody questioning whether or not this man is okay? It's just, it's never, ever Ending. Then uh, this this had to have been my favorite. If you are talking about the importance of securing the border. It's clear that immigration is a political issue that extreme Republicans are always going to run on. It's clear that immigration is a political issue. It's clear that immigration is a political issue that extreme Republicans are always going to run on. That extreme Republicans are always going to run on. That's right. If you're worried about the border, you're extreme. This is the, the Biden presidency. Everything's extreme. You're extreme. You're an extremist. They're extreme. They're extremists. Your mother's an extremist. Your sister's an extremist. I don't even want to talk about your toxic masculinity father and a, a toxic extremist. Toxic extremist has got to be the thing that comes next. I loved that one-two punch from, from Joe Biden. I love how he's the... The, the the great unifier right there. So much love. So much love he has in his heart and his soul. So, yeah. So, I, I'm, what I'm saying is, is that I, I really do. I want to, I think I want to start doing a, doing a weekend wrap of, of the maddening things Joe Biden said that week. But I don't know. Like, do I do it and commentate on it? Or do I do it as a montage? Do I do it at all? Is it cheap? I don't know. I thought maybe it'd be helpful. I thought maybe it'd be fun. Maybe just be infuriating. You tell me. Twitter at Tony Katz. Tony at TonyKatz.com. You tell me which way it should go. You tell me, and then and then, uh, then we'll do it or not. Up to you. More to get to. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. So the vote for speaker goes on and 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 on. It is that annoying because it's annoying. It's not the end of the world. People freaking out about this being the end of the world. And you've heard me talk about how the left is saying people's health at risk because we don't have a speaker in the State Department. American security is at risk. It's been three days. We're on day four. Could you settle down? Could you settle down? You sound ridiculous. You sound just silly. 
your panic and your fear and your woe up there, kitten. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. But the votes, they're going on. And they're going to continue going on, it seems. I mean, I don't know. As I sit here right now, this whole thing could be done. But I caught up with Congressman Jim Banks from the Indiana 3rd District before the voting began because, you know, you're on day four, you're sitting there, and he has been with McCarthy through the whole thing, through the entire thing, and we're hearing about this movement. So I caught up with him and asked him, hey, what is it that you're hearing? What is it that you know? Well, it does feel like Groundhog Day. I mean, now now for the fourth day in a row, I'm showing up to do the exact same thing over and over and over again. But I, I said this morning uh, on Fox News, Tony, that I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but I'm hearing about it. Right, right now, as we speak, we have a conference call. I just stepped out uh, to talk to you, but a conference call with the Republicans, Republican members, hearing from Leader McCarthy and other members about some of the, the agreements that they are some of the negotiations, the concessions on the rules that they're negotiating with the 20 holdouts. And it sounds like uh, there is an agreement that has been reached, at least with some of them, not all of them. So we're going to go back and vote at noon, and I believe there will be some movement, but I don't think you'll see a speaker elected today. Oh, you're not talking about on the 12th vote. You mean Today, with three votes going into 8, 9, 10 p.m., you don't think today we'll see a speaker? I'm predicting. I I hate to predict and play what-if games. I think you're going to see movement today, but I don't think you're going to see a speaker, Kevin McCarthy, or anyone else reach the magic 218 moment. And the reason uh, 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 reach that uh, threshold, the reason why, Tony, is because you have one member that has to leave for his mother's funeral, yet another member who had to leave for a uh, pre-scheduled surgery in his home state. Uh, You have another member who has a serious health issue with his wife. These are all McCarthy voters that have to leave town. And remember, the reason that we're in this boat to begin with is because we ended up with a just a very razor-thin four-seat majority. So uh, Kevin McCarthy or anyone else can't afford to lose five votes out of the conference. Now you have a few people leaving town. There might be movement from some of the holdouts and less votes against Kevin McCarthy. But if you have some of his voters leaving town, then the math gets even harder. Because the, the math changes in terms of the number you need for overall victory. And you could get to a moment with holdouts that you could have a weird moment where Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat, sees light. But you don't see any Republicans, even the holdouts, saying, you know what, I'm really willing to blow it all up. Nobody's discussing crossing over and voting for Hakeem Jeffries, are they? No, of course not. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm doing everything I can, and Republicans are doing everything we can to hold this together to ensure that a Democrat, Hakeem Jeffries or Nancy Pelosi or, or someone like that is not elected speaker. But, Tony, that is a real uh, fear that many of us have um, remember, I, we talked about this before, if if they change the rules, the, the nuclear option here would be to change the rules to go to a vote of a plurality instead of the 218 uh, uh, a majority. Uh, that, that would put the onus on the holdouts to vote for Kevin or a Republican, uh, because in that case, in each of these votes, if it was a plurality vote, Hakeem Jeffries would be Speaker of the House. That's what I fear. We have to do everything we can to hold this together, do whatever it takes to hold this together to make sure that a Republican becomes the Speaker of the House. All that being said, Tony, I do want to say, as frustrating as it looks, as messy as it looks, as tedious 
as this week has been, there have been many healthy outcomes of it. I mean, many of the rules changes that have been negotiated or still being negotiated give more power to rank and file members. And I want to be in a Congress where the Speaker of the House matters less and rank and file members like so give me one of those rules changes we understand from this that speaker pelosi really did rule with an iron fist and it was an abusive abusive place where conversation and debate never took place what are two rules changes that you're happy with that you think are going to benefit we the people yeah, two of them right off the bat, the 72-hour rule that instead of, you know, I, I think of the, the last omnibus bill we got at 3 in the morning, we had to vote on it at 9, 10 uh, in the morning right after that. So 72 hours to give us time to actually read these bills are important. Also, the single subject rule to make sure that you can't have Christmas tree bills, have everything stuffed into it. That was a, a tactic not just of Pelosi, but of Paul Ryan and John Boehner and Denny Hastert and all of the speakers before. So we have to we have to quit doing that. But I think one of the biggest rules changes that matters most to me is going back to regular order where I, a congressman from Northeast Indiana, conservative leader in the House, can take a amendment down to the floor and actually get a vote on it. That doesn't happen around here. That's why a lot of these members are frustrated why I'm frustrated. But to bring back regular order where any member can offer an amendment, have it debated, have it voted on, uh, that, that's a big difference than what I've seen over the last six years. And that, that's why I'm at, a, I'm at a place that I believe we are a lot better off. So let's get this done. Let's unify, elect a Republican speaker, and uh, come back next week and roll up our sleeves and get to work. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, chairman of the Republican Study Committee, Armed Services Committee as well. Let's now go back to what it's going to take to get the votes, to get to uh, Kevin McCarthy, to 218. And you are still voting in lockstep. You're still voting for Kevin McCarthy. When you talk about seeing some movement who are the people that are willing to move? It's clear that Representative Matt Gates is not going to move. It's clear that Representative Lauren Boebert is not going to move. They've put themselves on their very unique island. Are there any big names, whether it be from the Freedom Caucus or other places, that will move towards Kevin McCarthy now with some of these changes, some of these deals that have been made? And I didn't even know there was anything left to deal make with. And do any of them, once they announce, carry enough weight to bring others with them? Well, I should say, uh, before I answer that question, there's a big difference between negotiating rules changes to make this a healthier institution, and then uh, there's a difference between that and then negotiating things for yourself. So there's some of that going on where members are negotiating to get a gavel, a powerful subcommittee for themselves, and or a, a seat on a committee. There's a lot, a little bit of that going on. I don't, I don't have, uh, I don't have a lot of patience for that. I do have patience for rules changes that open up this process. Uh, That being said, Chip Roy from Texas has been one of the leaders in negotiating, one of the holdouts who's been negotiating with Leader McCarthy and his team on some of his ideas for healthier processes. And from what I've seen come from that, more conservatives on the rules, the powerful rules committee. I really like that. I want guys like Chip Roy and Thomas Massey and and some of those types of conservatives on the rules committee, because that that determines what amendments come to the floor for a vote. And I want more conservative opportunities to vote on conservative legislation and policies. So those are the healthy ideas that I, that are still being negotiated. And 
and dealt with at this point that I'm okay with. I'm not I'm not okay with this idea that you can hold out and negotiate a powerful subcommittee for yourself. That that seems like a, a more selfish reason not to move forward. So that's Representative Matt Gates, correct? No, I don't know that uh, in his case. I mean, there there was some news this morning about one member of the Appropriations Committee who's been holding out that wants to wants a gavel of a powerful subcommittee. Now, he's, he's conservative, and I'd, I'd like for him to have that, but to make that the reason that you're holding out, that's, uh, that's, not a, that's a less healthier um, uh, reason to uh, hold this up. Um, I, I hope that makes sense, but I, you know, I, just, I, I, have a, I, I don't have patience for that. I, I do think you know, waiting around this week and going through this process has had some, some healthy outcomes. But I'm, I'm ready, Tony, you know me. I'm ready to go to work. I, I want to tackle this China, is, China threat issue. We've got a bill ready to go to create the Select Committee on China to organize it, move it forward. I want to be a big part of, continue to be a big a leader and a big part of that issue. The border crisis, the drug epidemic. Uh, the national security issues. I mean, I'm I'm ready to go. Let's get this done. We're in a better place, and uh, let, let's get to work. Now let's talk about the actual getting to work. Is all of this negotiation, all of this deal making, when it's said and done, and let's say Kevin McCarthy is able to cobble together the 218 because it will fall at 218 as as the number, whatever number is the absolute minimum uh, to become speaker. How damaged is he? What is it that we will see that's different? Meaning, you want to get things done. You want to jump in there both feet. You want to work on China. You want to work on the border. You want to work on debt. Are you going to be able to with these rules changes and with this weakened speaker? Because he is weakened. Yeah, I I think we're in in a better place to get things done because of the rules changes and going back to regular order. And some of the concession, these concessions are what Kevin McCarthy has agreed to from the, from the beginning. I mean, the, the uh, 72-hour rule, the have, having uh, more amendments on the floor to vote on. I mean, I think those, those are the things that he's committed to. And if, if he keeps his word on those commitments, and I think he will, he'll be a stronger Speaker of the House for it. I mean, the, the Speaker of the House is the quarterback, is, is uh, calling the plays. And, and it, it's still a very powerful and influential role. The problem with the Pelosi era is that the Speaker of the House was the only one that mattered, and it shouldn't be that way. You elect me from Indiana to go to Washington to fight for you, but um, and in, in the majority, that means you know I, I have more power to be able to do that. But if the Speaker of the House has all the control, that's not fair to my district, to my state, and my constituents. And 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 we're at a place now that I think is healthier. It it the, the Speaker is still going to have a lot of influence, but so will the rest of us. Did it take this much, 12 votes? And as you're saying it today, we might get to vote 15 or 16. I had called the over-under at 20. I said it would take 20 votes. I didn't realize that I would be correct in that when I said it four days ago. Uh, But did it take really all these votes to get to these, uh, what we're calling concessions that you state, sir, are making us stronger and better? Yeah, it's it's too bad that it did. I mean, you kind of would have hoped that some of these agreements would have have uh, arrived before we came on Tuesday at noon to do this and and to get it over with quickly. So I don't know. I mean, there's still Tony. I, I don't want to give any false hope. I mean, I think this is going to go on for a little while longer for the reason that you articulated a little bit ago. There there are four or five of these holdouts who will not vote for him under any circumstances, and some of it's, it's personal, uh, 
um, for them. And uh, personal, but not having know. nothing to do with the rules anymore. Meaning, you you've you've got everything. What if if you got everything to make it better for you as a member to be able to have more opportunity to make your case? What are the people still holding out for? And if they're holding out for personal reasons, sir, what are they? Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't speak for them. I I I, I don't know what what they are or how to get past that. But at some point, we have to unify and, and pick pick a Republican speaker or what we talked about at the beginning of this interview is going to happen. A Democrat, Hakeem Jeffries, Nancy Pelosi, will take the speaker's gavel. And then what's the point of having the majority uh, to begin with? So and at that point, we've betrayed the American people by get it, getting the majority and then giving it up uh, at the outset. We have to do everything we can to prevent that from happening. So I don't know what is going to happen here exactly. Again, I think at noon here in a, in a little bit when we go to the floor, there will be some movement. Will that movement snowball to a point where Kevin McCarthy is, becomes the Speaker of the House later today or over the weekend? I, I don't know, but I think we're going to get closer to that. You, you're saying it's possible. I'm not, I'm not holding you to it. There's no money on this, and lives are not on the line. You're saying it's possible that Monday will come and we're still voting for Speaker? I think it's, I think it's possible. It's possible that we adjourn for the weekend, I hope not. I hope we keep doing this over and over again until we, until we elect uh, a Republican speaker. But th- those are possibilities. It is a possibility that we're still here on Monday. I think that would be really unfortunate. I mean, give, giving up this week to go through this process, I think, uh, has can have some healthy outcomes. But we got to come back here next week, roll up our sleeves, and get to work on the issues that matter, the, the things that the voters elected us to do. And um, I, I hope that that's what we're doing first thing on Monday morning. Is there anybody within the party, yourself included, that takes a look at it on vote 12 and say, okay, now it's starting to get embarrassing? Uh, I don't want to play that what-if game. I mean, I, again, I think there's going to be movement in the, in the right direction. Um, and this is, this is what's so complicated about it, getting to 218 votes, getting 218 unique personalities in the Republican Party to agree on anything is going to be hard over the next couple of years. A four-seat Republican majority means that every member has a little bit more, uh, a little bit more power, but also a little bit more responsibility to to compromise on on areas where we can to come together to unify to get get to a place where we can pass bills that we promised our voters that we would do. So it's going to be hard for Kevin McCarthy, anybody to. To get there at this point, but he's the closest one to doing it, and we got to wait and see how this plays out today before we can start playing that what-if game. Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, I appreciate you taking the time. You might want to like I don't know snacks. You know, use the side pockets. Maybe like maybe like the league. You have a pocket dog like Rafi. Whatever, whatever it takes, sir. You just got to sustenance is the key to get through these votes. Uh, I'm doing what I can. Eventually, you know, we're going to get to looking around trying to find who can get to 218, and you never know, Tony Katz. We could nominate you on the 75th ballot, and uh, you could be the Speaker of the House. Uh, uh, First of all, if elected, I will serve. Uh, But I am surprised that you have not come up as the consensus candidate yet. I had put that out on social media. I just – I'm trying to think of how this is going to work, but you're telling me it won't even get – it won't get to that. You think that movement can take place, but no guarantees. We will watch it happen. Congressman, I appreciate you taking the time. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. So maybe it'll be 13. Maybe lucky number 13 for Kevin McCarthy to be Speaker of the House. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today.
You had a lot of flips, 14 flips. Norman of South Carolina, Gosar of Arizona, Bishop of North Carolina, Chip Roy of Texas. Big names, big flips. There really isn't much left to hold on to. Those holding out, I mean, we're not talking about Gates and Bobert. They're on their own island. They're in their own bad place. And, oh, will they nominate Jordan again, Hearn again? Or will they just say, you know what? We're going to nominate the same person. We'll both vote for them. Everybody else is going to do their thing, and that's it. It's clear that Republicans want this done. It's clear that whatever Kevin McCarthy has offered up, it was enough. The question is, what will it mean to the rest of us? We'll know that on Monday. Until then, everyone, take care.